In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Um, so brokenness and admitting that we're broken is uh, the first step for this healing of God to say, okay, let me do my radical work in your life. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is for you to become your best by calling you into the arena of manhood, calling you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and calling you up to your absolute best version of you. Because when you get it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we, we salute, salute you. you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena Podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, and I'm here with a mix master, producer, co-host, Backbone, and my brother from another mother, Dale Culver. How you doing, man? Excellent day. Hey, I'm good to have you on the show with me today, bro. And we're I'm really excited today. Hey, guys, let me ask you a question. Much of what hinders us as men is our inability to live as free men. Let me explain. We carry scars, unforgiveness, and past battle wounds that increase our burdens in this life. Many of those who come from a fa- from a father figure and that hinders our view of God as a loving father. Man, you're going to love today's episode. We have a guy who wrote a book called The Journey to a Father's Heart, and I really believe this will help you to understand why you are the way you are, if you're struggling with some things in the past, how to get through it. And so, man, you're going to really enjoy this episode. So hang in there, listen to this. It's going to be a great time. So I want to let you guys know, you may know that our intro is a little bit different. Some things are a little bit different. If you looked at the podcast, the icon uh, is a little bit different. So we are no longer being called the Man Card Podcast. We are officially, as of 2019, the Men in the Arena Podcast. And so really super excited about that. Hey, guys, I also want to remind you to save the date, June 22nd and 23rd. We're doing our second annual Death Ruck, 42 miles, 7,500 feet of vertical gain. We're hiking through Timbuktu, literally. (laughs) There's a Timbuktu, Oregon. It's a ghost town, logging town. We're going to be hiking through that. It's going to be a great, great time, guys. If you are interested in doing the Death Ruck with us, it is an overnight uh, event. Uh, Go to Facebook to Oregon Death Ruck. Get involved in that and join us as we hike to Timbuktu and beyond. So, hey, bro, Dale, do you have a man word for me today? I'm going to guess it. I guarantee it. Go ahead. I'm going to guess it. Go ahead. Based on our guest today, the man word is heart. If you went with father, you either went with father or you went with heart. I'm going to go with heart. 
I'm going to go with heart. You can't. I think, you can't do I, that. I, you can't choose the word after I guess up. it. He's getting worked up. I, I need like a, I need blood pressure medicine. You I cannot do. choose the word. You have blood pressure did medicine. Did you guess you? the word? Did you I make did. up the word I, after I said it? I always it. look at the book, and I was going heart. Heart I didn't good. think the word of the day was spikestra. So I no. didn't go with that. I no. went with heart. Spike strip. So maybe, so why not. do you spike strip? Yeah, that is true. That's that is true. Inspiring. So why did you why did you go with heart? I mean, besides oh. staring at the book, I set you up for a failure. I put the book so you can see the title, uh-huh. and then I know what I've got. Like three words. I know it's not going to be the. Could be journey fathers. Yeah, or, or heart. heart. Yeah, or spike strip. So or spike strip. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so 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 why heart? Why, why is that our man word today? Well, it's good that you're. It, a heart of a man is something that you. It's good to expose and share, and not just hold it um, back from your kids. Yeah. Uh, I try so much all day long. Uh, whenever my kids are around, I'm like, "Hey, I did this to Noah a couple times yesterday." He's walking away, and I go, "Hey, Noah!" And he stops and he turns around. What? I love you. And it's just <laughs> constantly letting them know that what is on your heart and my heart. What's on my heart most of the time is how much I just love my kids, and so they need to know that. You know, it's really interesting. My kids are, uh, my sons are 20, 22, and 24. And as I look at their spiritual journey and I look at the mistakes I've made as a father and I look at different things and evaluate, I go, probably the thing I did poorly was I was great at telling my kids about Jesus. I was great at modeling Jesus. I was great at reading the Bible to them and having daily devotionals. But I think where I might have failed them a little bit is I haven't I did not speak to them enough about my heart for God, like what God is doing in my heart and my heart. And I think the heart is important. We need to share a lot of times we get into this mode of sharing our knowledge about God with our kids. Right. But I think we need to share our heart uh, to our children, uh, our heart for God to our what children. What is God doing in your life? Yeah, What's he and, saying I, and to I think you? I think I'm doing that more now with yeah. my sons, but I did not do that when they were younger. Well, you're definitely most more of the, emotional. I am more emotional. Man, those Hallmark movies wreck me, dude. The kiss before <laughs> the first date. Anyway, but uh, but you know it's really interesting because is that a uh, show? As, yeah, because no, it's every Hallmark movie. There's a kiss before the first date. It's always the, it's always how they end. Really? So, yeah. Oh. I just lost my man card. Wow, <laughs> I wouldn't know. I've never. I'm going to go one. buy a Prius. Okay, so you know, so <laughs> you know, it's really, it's so. I think the heart is really important as we think about this, and I think as men, we can have a lot of head knowledge for God, but if our heart is right. is tainted or holding on to bitterness or unforgiveness, I mean, I'll tell you what, our guys listening today are going to be in for a great show. But before we do, I want to give a shout out to Tyler Roberts. Is it Roberts? Yeah, Tyler Roberts in Lesotho, Africa. Yeah, so he's uh, going to be getting a copy of our man card book, yeah. and he is working with our guest. He's the protege of our guest, and want to give him a shout out all the way out in Africa. So looking forward to having him give us a little review from listening to this podcast. So Tyler, want to give you a shout out, buddy? Woo. So whoop whoop. Anyway, that, we do have a review. Oh, we do. Yeah, from Big Bigs AFF two. So. Reach out to me. I want to send you some swag. Was it a good review? I'm it not was. giving anybody free stuff. It as was a bad review. Five stars. He's saying like something about this. This oh, podcast sweet. has been awesome. It's oh, awesome. This is one of the best podcasts I've ever listened to. Well, you know, and we didn't I think, even pay him to say that. And I think one of the reasons is because we we are not about the money. It doesn't motivate us. We're about making a difference. And guys, let me tell you this. We want to help you in your journey to becoming your best version in Christ. So go to our website. We just did this. Dale just did this yesterday. www dot and you go to the right top drop down that says get a free book 
So if you click on that with no gimmicks attached, we're going to give you our, a free PDF version of my field guide, which is our bathroom book for men. It's a 365-day daily reading. Put it on the back of your toilet seat. Read it every day. But listen, don't use the to- pages for toilet paper because that stuff will cut you. So just use it to read. So hey, uh, I did I, one time and it didn't it cut hurt. me. Just it didn't. Saying. Well, it just it doesn't get absorb first. very well either. Yeah. Hey, I want to bring on our new friend Tim <laughs> Spikestra. Really excited about this guy and his book, The Journey to the Father's Heart. Tim's fifty-three years old, graduated nineteen eighty-four. Baby, whoop whoop, best graduating class ever. He's been married thirty-one years of that. He's a pastor and president of Oceans Ministries. He's written Journey to a Father's Heart and Climbing Prayer Mountain. He also has another book he's writing as well. And for the past 16 years, he's been working in Lesotho, Africa, helping develop an orphanage and ministering to high school orphans. So I'm really excited to bring Tim on. So, Tim, how are you doing, brother? Great. Good to be here. And you're out here from, you're on the phone from Aurora, Oregon, right? Uh, Aurora, Colorado. (laughs) Close. (laughs) Well, we have an Aurora, Oregon about an hour from here. My bad. (laughs) Good to have you on the show. Yeah, great. Great to be on. Thanks for having me. Hey, I'm excited to hear your heart and and what you have to say here. And uh, I want to throw, before we do that, Tim, we want to loosen you up a little bit. And we want to throw you into what we call our rapid fire round. (laughs) Are you going to be ready for this? No, but go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) So what I'm going to do, man, is I'm going to do what I call the keyword round. So uh-huh. I have picked uh, five keywords that either are in your book or have to do with your book, and I just want you to explain them. They should This should be pretty easy for you, but just explain them and why they might be a part of your book or in your book. So are you ready? Yep. Then the first thing that comes to your mind, you don't have to think about this, just your gut level is what we're after here. The first word is wound. Wound? Wound. Wound. Um, loneliness. Why'd you go with that word? Why'd you go with loneliness? Um, I think because in, you know, as a kid, I just wanted to be by my dad, right? And um, sometimes just feeling that wound of dad not there, um, lonely because he wasn't there. Um, So... Yeah, that's a word that first word that popped into my mind. So if you when you associate the word wound, you're thinking of your personal wound was loneliness. Yeah. Oh, that's that's why well, I appreciate you being uh man, he got real real quick here, didn't he? <laughs> so no, that's really good, man. Well, I and I appreciate your your book about your dad's story. You talk about your dad being an alcoholic who came to faith later on in life and and having an opportunity to really bless your dad at a dinner one night. And I, I really thought there was some powerful stuff there. And so uh, here, here's the next word that may go along with the first word. The next word uh, in our keyword round is the word forgiveness. Total. Okay. And, and the reason reason for that word is um, to come to that place where you can forgive and it brings freedom. Um, and I talk about that in the book. There's a book I read called Total Forgiveness by R.T. Kendall. And... Um, how do you know when you really forgave mm-hmm. somebody and um, when the, you know, the shackles fall off and you can bless that person and pray for them and just fill the father's heart for them. Yeah. So. That was really, that was, I really appreciated that. It was, and I resonated with that because that's the exact advice I give people. Hmm. Pray for God to bless them until you actually want to bless them. 
<laughs> that's when you know you've crossed <laughs> over. Right. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Which which goes with my third word, which you've already mentioned, but that word is uh, freedom. What what do you want to say about freedom? Ah, I, I think you know that's where Christ wants us to live, and the forgiveness um, from past wounds, from whatever's happened to us in the past, to be free of that, and to live as a radical son of the King. Um, through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, is freedom. Yeah, that's awesome. So the next word is Father. Hmm. Uh, the word that comes to my mind is Abba, um, and I talk about that in the book, that um, I can cry, Romans 5, 8, uh, 5, excuse me, Romans 8, 15, uh, I'm no longer a slave to fear, um, but I can cry, Abba, Father. Uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, um, I have a daddy who loves me and a daddy who's proud of me um, and a daddy will never let me go. Which goes to my last word, which is funny how well this tied in. The last word is fear. Mm. Um, just a lie of the from the father of lies to keep us in bondage, mm-hmm. um, to hold us back to living into the, the destiny that that I can as a son of the king. Wow. So, hey, let's jump into some of these questions today. And, and I've read your book, so I know quite a bit of your story, Tim. But for our listeners, they're on their way to work right now. They're driving, listening to this podcast. Why don't you take a few minutes and tell us your personal story, yeah, things you enjoy in life, hobbies, family, uh, whatever you feel like would be great to give our listeners context. Um, grew up in in Colorado. So I love the mountains. I love outdoors. I love skiing. I love hiking. Um, I love biking. Um, just anything outdoors. Uh, I love, um, love the Denver Broncos. Uh, <laughs> grew up a Bronco fan, uh, from early as I can remember, uh, dad would watch the Broncos and my goal in life was to play for the Denver Broncos, but I only got to be like five, nine and a half. So it didn't work very well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, uh, love, love that. Love, love sports. Um, that's where I put a lot of my attention and energy growing up and, uh, married a, my sweetheart who also loves sports. So we had a, a good time together. Um, yeah. And, uh, what else? Three, three beautiful kids that uh, God has given me. Um, they all love sports, too, and love the outdoors and mm-hmm. things like that, too. So it's a little bit about me. Now, how, I know you have at least one son and one daughter. What is it two daughters and a son? Or two yeah, sons? I have two daughters and a son right in the middle. And how old are so, they? Uh, 21, 24, and 26. Also oh, pretty close to where my kids are. So, yeah. Well, hey, tell me about Ocean's Ministries. What's your, what, uh, what is your vision and mission behind Ocean's Ministries? You know, it's, it's something that God had birthed in my heart when I was pastoring in a local church in actually in Red, Redlands, California, several years ago. Um, because of my own experiences and stuff that I went through um, with my father and, you know, just how uh, the wounds and the struggles and, and the healing that God brought, uh, I was on the beach actually um, near uh, Del Mar in Southern California. Uh-huh. And I was spending the day in prayer, and I heard kind of an inner voice that someday you're going to be a part of this ministry uh, called Oceans. And 
Uh, I was reading Habakkuk 2.14 at the time, says the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And um, that was kind of the theme verse. And uh, it took several years to germinate. Um, but about five years ago, took the leap. And uh, the goal is to make the Father's love known to spiritual and physical orphans around the world. And and during that time that I was pastoring, I also got involved in Africa and uh, in Southern Afri Africa, especially where the HIV AIDS was just devastating the country, the families, and this little country called Lesotho, uh, it, which is surrounded by South Africa had the second highest HIV rate in the world. Whoa. So I would, go, I would go there and there would be nobody our age, Jim. Um, they're all dead. They're died of HIV AIDS. Um, bunch of wow. kids, uh, moms, grandmothers trying to raise these kids. And uh, so God kept, you know, my heart towards them and to the orphans and, and just being the father's love. Um, also, I was involved in prison ministries for several years. And most of the guys that, that we had worked with had no fathers or didn't have a good relationship with their father. And so I spend my time in prisons in Africa um, with homeless down in, in downtown Denver, um, people living in hotels and prostitutes. And a lot of them have deep, deep wounds from childhood. And I just want to tell them, hey, there's a father who's pretty amazing and he loves you. Um, and so that's kind of the heart and jest of the ministry. And it's taken me all over the place. And um God's been so faithful and so good, and he's, he's really demonstrated he's a good father. And uh, I just want to keep sharing that message of his love. Yeah, that's really good. I appreciate that. Well, you know, Job 29, if Proverbs 31 is the, uh, the, the chapter of the Bible that really defines womanhood, Job 29 really defines manhood, in my opinion. And in Job 29, he lists nine traits of a man in there as you read his story, and one of those is taking care of the orphans. And mm. so that, that there's a component of manhood that cares for the, the powerless, right? Uh, hopeless. Mm. And so how would you... We live in a, a day and age in, in America where 40% of children are born out of wedlock. Uh, it's like 57% of marriages in a divorce. I think second marriage, it's like 63% chance divorce. I mean, it just gets worse. Third marriage is 73% chance of divorce. So we have this, this society where... Even here in America, we have children from divorce and children who have uh, dads who are disengaged uh, from them. So, so just with that context, how do you define uh, orphan? You know, not just, you know, there's definitely the physical orphan, but the enemy's done a great job uh, orphaning or, or making yeah. orphans. Just the stats that you said. Yeah. I mean, there, I see them every day. Um, whether in prison or Africa or on the streets of downtown Denver, that they've been abandoned in some way, even though some of them, their dads have been there um, physically, but not emotionally or spiritually. Um, so they're all over the place. They're in, they're in the local church in, in droves as well. Interesting. So here's a question. So how, let's, I'm a 40, let's say I'm a 40 year old man. I'm, I'm actually several years older. Let's say I'm a 40 year old man. I'm driving to work. I'm listening to this podcast. So I'm hearing orphaned and I'm thinking, okay, I'm married. I've got kids. This, how does this affect me? Well, how, how does a man know 
if he too has been orphaned at some point? Uh, I think one of the ways, uh, Jim, is there's this longing in your heart um, to be loved and to be have somebody be proud of you and somebody encourage you. Um, and a lot of times, I think with men in particular, um, they're striving to find that. At least I was. I was striving, whether playing football or getting good grades, uh, you know, trying to impress my professors in seminary, uh, the congregation that I served, um, trying to fill that void and uh, of an uh, orphan spirit, really, that only the Father in Heaven could fill. So this orphan spirit, um, would you say that it's more of a father wound, or would you say it's more of a societal wound that, you know, Americans were driven to succeed, were driven to uh, to have more stuff. I mean, what is your experience with this, this orphan in spirit? Is it a cultural thing or is it a fathering thing? Well, I think definitely the, the fathering component is there because uh, even as men, we get caught up in thinking, uh, you know, what is a real man, right? Uh, yeah. Living, living the American dream. Yeah. Um, and your book brings out that really well. Um, but yeah, and I, but I think it's a, a spirit that the enemy has used to discredit um, God as Heavenly Father. And if he can keep us busy, if he can try to fill the voids that only the Father's love can fill through all these other external things that never, never satisfy. Um, and, and he's done an incredible job marketing that. Yeah. I mean, we see it every day on, on media, um, but it just, we lose our soul. And, and we live as orphans um, spiritually. Well, and, and especially because that, that spirit is a performance-driven mindset, and the key ingredient to Christianity is our performance is never going to be good enough. Mm-hmm. And so the mm-hmm. dichotomy between a performance-driven cultural mindset and a Christ-driven mindset that says, I'm a sinner who can't measure up and I need God because I can't do this without him. This is a, it's almost bipolarizing. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah. You know, um, my grandpa Fockerts was a great example for me of, of a man, um, in, in his late eighties or in his eighties, but he taught me, you know, that text from Ephesians two, uh, eight for it's by grace you're saved, right? And yes. this is not of yourselves; it's not of works. Yes, uh, lest any man should boast. And, and so the foundation of our faith is grace, this this incredible gift of God. Um, and yet, even in the church, uh, we have this striving, striving spirit um, that we're listening to the lie of the the enemy. So yeah, and you know it's interesting, Tim. I. Uh, am from a very performance-driven background as well, and I default to that, I think, which I don't think it's good. Uh, What I've been trying to do in the last several years is I live a very full life. I've got a very full uh, schedule, but I try to avoid the word busy. I think that word is, uh, if a person lives a life that is busy, in my opinion, that speaks to performance-driven which mm-hmm. I believe is, I don't know how else to call this, and maybe I'm wrong here. Help me to understand. I think a busy person is a person who's in sin. I think that is a sin that we have masked to cover effectiveness or holiness 
What are your thoughts on that? Uh, amen. I, I, I agree. I think um, the busy, the busier we are, we're trying to cover up something. Yeah. And, and that's that pain. That's that wound um, in our heart. And um, God gave us, you know, a Sabbath, right? And, and there's a reason yes. that's in there because uh, God wants us. And if we take time and we pause, um, what happens is we start hearing, you know, lies and the insecurities and fears. So we get busy again. But the pause is so that, hey, yeah, you're sinful, dude. But I love you and let me love on you. Um, but we never get to that place because we're so busy um, trying to, you know, fill the emptiness. So you, you made a comment, and, and I want to just have you articulate this. You made an intangible statement that I think our guys would be like, so what does that look like? So when you said God is quoted as saying, I want to love on you, I want to love you, what does that look like? Like, I'm a guy, and I want God to love me, I want God to love on me. What does that look like? How do I know when he is actually doing that? And how do I know when I'm experiencing the love of God in my life? I think one of the ways you know that, if you look at Jesus, right? Jesus was, and you bring this out, he's this masculine man, if yes. there was one, right? He had, I mean, he was powerful, he was mighty, he had a heart of compassion. But you look at Jesus and you look at his relationship with the Father, and at his baptism, the Father loves on him. I mean, he, he's going into the river, identifying with our sins, being baptized, being obedient to the Father. And the Father's just standing up in heaven and go, this is my boy. You know, I love him. I'm proud of you. Way to go, son. And um, the Father just smiles on him and loves him. And it's in that love and affirmation and encouragement that, hey, I love you, son, that the son just goes and then brings the kingdom, Right. And so when the father, when we really begin to hear the father's voice and, I, and, you know, because I love sports, I always envision my father, God, like my earthly father, who he tried to never miss a football game or basketball game. Um, but I'd always look up to the stands, you know, if I did something good, they want to always look up if I did something bad. Um, yeah, yeah. But I always envision the father up there. Um, even when I fall, even when I stumble and the hurdle get knocked over by the hurdles, he's still up there. You can do it, man. You can do it. I love you. Um, just like he did at Jesus's baptism. Um, yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I had an epiphany with that passage, and I think every father should say the words to his son or daughter exactly what Jesus said, or the father said to Jesus, because Jesus was on the road to his crucifixion. He needed affirmation that, you know, for 29 years he lived his life, and now these last three or four, arguably, he's doing ministry that's going to lead him to ultimately his death and resurrection. Uh, his disciples don't get it. Nobody gets it. And so he's getting baptized, and God speaks words over him that said, listen, son, I'm affirming you. He says, this is my beloved son, who, or this is my son, who I love, in him I am well pleased Listen to him. Those four statements are so powerful when a man speaks those over his son or when a guy like you speaks those over Tyler, who you're mentoring in Lesotho or Lusoto. These are so popular or so impressive. So 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 how does the word how does trust how does trust work into you know trust in a heavenly father? How does my trust in God work into a person 
who's battling with a performance-based or busyness or a, uh, a, a, a historical wound? How does a guy? How does how does trust weave itself into this equation? Yeah, I think that's huge because do I really trust that love? Do I really believe that the Father loves me? And for me, even though I grew up in the church, came to Christ when I was 13 in a Nazarene church, um, I, I had a, a struggle trusting him, believing him, that he's, he's really that good. Um, and I had to come to a place where um, instead of trusting myself, my performance to earn God's love, I just had to be broken mm. and say, okay, God, I can't do this. I can't be working 80 hours a week, going to prisons, pastoring, at that time raising two kids. Um, I can't do it. And um, to come to the place of surrender and saying, okay, God, you're going to have to pull me through this. And I let go. I surrender. Uh, you take over. Um, and that, that for me was when, okay, I, I have to hand my life over to him and say, okay, it's yours now and believe that he's good enough and he's not going to let me down and that his grace is sufficient in my yeah, weakness. Yeah. His power is made perfect. Well, you know, this is really good stuff, man. And it's stuff that I read a lot about and I have a lot of guys nowadays speaking about this. And uh, I think it goes back to O one with Eldridge. And then um, I can't remember who wrote the book, Iron John, I can't remember, but he talked about the father wound, and uh, more and more authors are writing about this quote, father wound, and mm -hmm. I, and as I read this, I'm thinking to myself, is this just another, you know, uh, emergent church, Brian McLaren, touchy-feely thing that that contemporary authors are writing about to to uh, impact the lives of, of broken people today, or is this a real thing? You know, uh, I'm not skeptical, I just have a lot of questions uh, you know, is 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 uh, is is this phrase "wounded father wound" is it being abused by entitled people who need someone to blame, or is this really a, a thing? At what point do we own our own sin and stop blaming others? But at what point do we acknowledge? Listen, I've got a predisposition to an unhealthy lifestyle because I have had had something bred in me, or I've had something broken in me because of a father figure that did not measure up. Can you give me your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, um, it is, I think it is something uh, that I believe God's bringing up. Um, and let me explain historically, and then I'll talk, I'll address the wound issue in a second and our responsibility with that. But if you look at the history of the church, um, there's been movements. You look back to the Reformation, um, Christ was reintroduced, right? You look at uh, the Great Awakening, the First Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, the Holy Spirit was just unleashed, even in you know, the 60s, uh, the Jesus movement and other things. I believe we're, we're entering into a movement where um, God is revealing himself as Father, um, and it's so important because I, I think it's going to lead to a great awakening. I really do. I think it's going to lead to people who really understand God as Father uh, and trust Him um, complicitly. Uh, they're going to live like Jesus. They're going to live unleashed, radical, trusting, not worrying about the money, not worrying about. They're just going to trust their Father. So, um, but 
to get to that place, um, we have to own our own stuff. And, and I don't, you know, my dad had issues with his dad and it goes back to generations. You know, I, we got to stop that. Right. And, yeah. and it's my responsibility. I love my dad and my dad did the best he could, uh, with what he had at the time. Um, and God used that and, you know, to bring me to my own place of brokenness and say, okay, we're going to, we're going to change the generations here. And my kids are going to see um, God the Father through their broken dad who has to own up with his own stuff and his mess and, and everything. But we're going to strive as a family to uh, forgive, uh, let go, and let the Father heal us and um, let him radically unleash us uh, for a new kingdom movement. And so uh, if we just you know, use it as a therapeutic uh, you know, this is my issues because of that. And we don't move beyond that. Uh, we're stuck. Um, and that's why forgiveness is such an important issue in that whole dynamic. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah. I, I, okay. Thank you. You, you are the first guy that's explained that in a way that I can get it and our people can get it and that it's not feminized. And so mm-hmm. thank you so much. I, you're, I love the book. It's a, the book is only a hundred pages long. Yeah. It's so easy to read, and you've got workbooks and line material people can write stuff in. It's like a fifty-page book. It's super easy to get to read. Uh, that book I was talking about, Iron John, was actually written by Robert Bly. Uh, I wouldn't recommend the book, but he was a guy that talked about the wound. and And I love what you said there. You said, you know, we don't want to blame anybody. We don't want to use it as a cop out. But I love what you said. We want to discover and uncover. And I, and I agree because our generation. The, the the Buster generation, this this uh, Gen Xers that we're in, this uh you know fifty five fifty five to thirty five age gap. What we've brought to the table, our generations, we've said, hey, we're gonna we're not gonna live a veneer, we're not gonna put a shell up or a front up. We're gonna be open, we're gonna be vulnerable, we're gonna be honest about what we're doing and what we're about. We're not gonna cover it up like let the generations above us. We're not gonna whine about it and be entitled like the generations below us. We are our contribution to society in this time of our era when we are in our sweet spot. Our generation is in our sweet spot right now. We're going to be very open. And the reason why we're going to do that, and I love what you said, this is a quote, so that we can be unleashed, radical, trusting. And our vision at the Men in the Arena podcast is we want men to be their best version. And they can't do that if they're hiding stuff in a corner of their heart and their life. And so, hey, great stuff. Hey, we're going to come back in just a second. Uh, We're going to hear, Tim, from uh, our sponsor. We will be right back. The Men in the Arena is a nonprofit organization with a mission to help men become their best version and change their world. The war to change your world is epic. Every battle counts, and every man in the arena matters. Our closed Facebook forum for men, appropriately called Men in the Arena, is a great way for you to dialogue about manhood with men from around the world. There we have lively discussions on every topic of manhood imaginable. Join that group today. Hey, because of my passion to see men get out of the bleachers into the arena, I want to offer a free resource to all men who visit our website at meninthearena.org. Simply give us your email. We'll send you a PDF copy of the field guide. This is my 365-day bathroom book for men. It's a study of manly words in the Bible illustrated with great stories. This is a great resource for all of our arena men. Guys, you're going to love this book. Men, the stakes are high. 
The pressure is on. Do you hear the roars of those you love and those in the anonymous bleachers pleading for you to get in the arena today? Because when you get it, everyone wins. Now, back to our episode. Hey, Tim, on your book in page 14, uh, you have a quote uh, by Austin Sorensen. I think it is so powerful. I just want you to explain it. I stopped. I went back. I read it again. I underlined it. I thought, this is so good. And here's the quote. A child is not likely to find a father in God unless he finds something of God in his father. That is powerful. Will you expand on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, this is how God designed it. Um, the father is the first uh, revelation of Father God. Mm. And so um, my kids, Sarah, TJ, and Anna, their first revelation of who God the Father in heaven is, is through their dad. I, I don't understand their mom's a lot more loving their mom's a lot more gracious yeah. in many ways but um you know and, and i've seen that i've seen that you know in people i've pastored and if they don't get that if if somehow their dad died or just wasn't present um their view of god gets skewed um it gets sidetracked and and you know that's what the enemy wants to do but when dad's um you know, begin to live like dads and live like men, as your book brings out, uh, real men with that integrity and, you know, leadership and, and they're, they're searching for God's heart. Um, when they do that, um, the kids begin to see the face of God. And that, yeah. you know, when I, when I had kids and, and my son especially, and he was born, uh, I was scared to death, Jim, like, I don't know how to be a dad to him. Yeah. It's, it literally scared me to death. And that's, that's when God start working. He said, I'm going to teach you um, because I want you to be my image to your son and to your daughters. Oh, wow. Wow. That's good, man. So here's a question. Cause I, now I had an experience on an elk hunting trip two years ago where I didn't realize I, this wound thing, I didn't realize it, but through com- talking to a buddy of mine, he said, man, I know, I can tell why you're the way you are. I can tell what your problem is. And he basically unveiled a wound in my life from a, from my, I'm not blaming my dad. I'm just saying that I had this wound, call it whatever you want, but I had to realize I was addicted to affirmation and validation. And I realized that only God can do that. When I said, I trust you, God, to validate and affirm me, and I don't have to do it myself anymore. I don't have to compare myself to other people. I don't have to criticize other people. I don't have to condemn other people. I don't have to compromise or compete. But if I just do what I'm supposed to do unto you and trust you, you will be the one who validates. And it just unlocked the entire ministry, and things have exploded in the last year and a half because of that. So I get it. I'm on the same page here. Here's the question the guys are wanting to know. Okay, I'm hearing about this wound. I'm hearing about this brokenness. How do I personally discover my personal brokenness? In other words, how do I discern between this father wound and just general sin, right? So, for example, uh, lust is a, a something I struggle with, right? 
to me, that is, I'm just a dirty, rotten scoundrel. You know, James 1 tells us, you know, uh, that uh, each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust is conceived, it brings birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, be deceived my brethren. So for me, I go, okay, that, that sin or greed, some of these things in my life are, have nothing to do with woundedness and everything to do with just being a dirty, rotten scoundrel. But there are other components where a man is broken and wounded. How does a man separate those two so he can realize, man, I want to unlock this wound and find healing so I can be, to, to quote you, unleashed upon this world, and to quote John Eldridge, to let the world feel the full weight of who I am. So how do I discover my broken or wounded areas? You know, I think in, in my own life where if, you know, sin, like you said, we all struggle and battle with sin. But if there's a sin that that holds on to us, oh. um, could be, you know, pornography. It could be, for me, it was a striving spirit to succeed, yeah. whether to be the best pastor or, you know, student or athlete. And and when a lady from my church, and I said, I talk about this in the book, she says, you know, I, I love your sermons, but... Yeah, she was know, a little oh, bold. <laughs> yeah, but you have a striving spirit, and I wanna, I wanted to slap her. Yeah. But, you know, but, you know, after the Holy Spirit, yeah, because that, that had been my life. Um, striving for excellence in athletics, academics, now as a, as a pastor. So that, that striving spirit controlled me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I had a, why is it there? And... You know, the, the Holy Spirit does a great, when you ask him, he'll do a great job in showing you what, what, what's controlling you. Um, and that was a sin that, that controlled me. Well, it's interesting. You said uh, whether it's pornography or a striving spirit or, you know, power. You, you, what I have found, Tim, is that those are not the end in themselves. What the end is, is when I ask this question, God, Why? Why do I struggle with affirmation? Why do I struggle with a striving spirit? That's when God unleashes the truth in our life. Is that is that a is that what you found, or is there a different way to uncover this? No, I, I think that's that's perfect. Well, you, why why are why are these things happening? Yeah, why do I do this? So you you talked about this lady in your church that confronted you. Okay, so mm-hmm. I want to go back to her because she's really a problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she said something to you that I thought was really interesting because at one point she, you know, they were on a sounds like they were on a pre-service prayer team, and uh, mm-hmm. at one point she said that she confronted you, and I think it was in front of the group, and said, "Hey, you need to forgive some people." Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so she walked you through this very, very powerful thing f- to forgiveness. And at this point, you sounded in the book exhausted, wore up, beat up, <laughs> you know, a little bit like you've been opened up and filleted in front of everybody. But yep. then she said, you have one more person to forgive. And you're like, mm-hmm. I don't can't think of it, who it is. I'm beat up. <laughs> and she said something that I thought was really powerful. She said, you need to forgive God. Can you Can you walk us through that and why that? I had never thought of that before forgiving God. I'd never thought of that, and I thought that was really monumental. Can you uh, explain and walk walk our listeners through that? You know, and I, after three years of seminary, I had never heard that either, and so my antennas were up, right? Yeah, like, totally. What? But and when I asked her to explain that too, she said, you, you're holding God responsible. I mean, even my theology, I believed in the sovereignty of God. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Sovereign. Yeah. So God, you allowed this, you allowed this to happen uh, as an all-knowing, 
uh, God. Um, and she says, you're holding on, you're, you know, you're holding this against God for your childhood, for some of your pain. And, and she was right. When I looked and asked what, you know, deep down, um, I was bitter at God. Mm-hmm. Um, and God doesn't, we know God doesn't sin. Um, uh, but I was bitter at him. And, and when she says, forgive him, I got, you know, God hasn't sinned. She says, but you're holding all this stuff that a, as he has. And um, so I did it, even though my theology, theological mind wasn't computing at the time. Um, I was really bitter at God, angry at God. Um, and it was a way of releasing that anger and releasing that bitterness that I had towards God really, really deep down um, that I didn't think I had. And I didn't want to admit because here I'm this pastor, I'm supposed to be spiritual, I'm supposed to be the the shepherd and, and they're, you know, to admit that the, the pastor's really screwed up was yeah. hard, but, but, you know, it opened the door for the healing, you know, to come a few months later. So, well, we, you know, I think a lot of people struggle with God. I mean, really, you know, I've heard the phrase, oh, it's not the church I struggle with. It's the people that go to it, but really people struggle with God. People ask these questions. Why did God allow blank to happen? You know, why did God allow that person to hurt me? Why did, why do the innocent suffer? Why are there orphans? Why is there a complete generation gone in Africa? Why are thousands of children dying every day from hunger and hunger related diseases? Why is the church so broken? Why are people in the church so judgmental? These are all questions that we go back and blame God. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and and I think there are a lot of broken people out there right now and wounded, and they've been wounded by a person or a situation or simply by living in a fallen and broken world, but they blame God for it all. And what would you tell those people? Um, yeah, you know, I, I think I was there too in, in my own childhood issues, um, but... God directed me back, you know, to Jesus. And, uh, you know, he said, this is, there's this world that's fallen, sinful. um, But the most unfair moment that ever happened was to his own son. And he gave, he gave his own son who did nothing wrong to bear the weight of all that stuff you just mentioned all the sin, all the junk, all the famines, all, all that. He put that all on his son to redeem the world. Um, and so uh, I think even in my own, God, just the cross became so much more powerful. Even though I preached the cross and I was taught to preach the cross, uh, my healing happened when, when, when I released that of, from bitterness towards God and the cross and the forgiveness and the grace and the heart of the father just, you know, became so huge um, in, in my life. And, you know, this is why I did this, Tim, because I loved you so much. I gave you my son. And it doesn't get more unfair than what happened to mm, him. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is my heart. So look through, look at my son if you want to see my heart. Um, Look at, I had to give him up. He was my only son. And you know how much, Tim, you love your son and you love your kids. Yeah. I gave my perfect son for you. And it, that gift of Jesus opened me up to, God, that's who you are as a father. You just give um, in the most crazy 
you know, we don't deserve it, but you gave it to us anyway. Well, yeah, and to, and to take away from that is to take away from what Jesus did on the cross. And I love Matthew 11, later on, uh, it's 28 through 30 maybe, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I and you, uh, t- you will find rest for your souls. Take mm-hmm. my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I just love that. It's a picture of Jesus saying, hey, I know you're broken. I know you're hurting. Mm-hmm. I've dealt with all of this myself. I dealt with your brokenness on the cross, but give it back to me. Trust me, and I will help you. You know, on page 32 of your book, you say something real powerful, and I believe really applicable, and you say this. You say, quote, to be honest about your powerlessness or spiritual pit is the key to the journey to the Father's heart. Hmm. So is this is this a, a light versus darkness thing, or is this a... Uh, a brokenness versus wholeness thing? Is this a bondage versus being unleashed thing? Uh, will you explain this? Yeah, and I think, um, you know, in recovery too, they talk in, in AA, right? Uh-huh. You have to come to the place that you uh, know you're powerless over your sin, over your addiction. Um, and that's that's where God always starts. I love brokenness. Um, and when I see, I don't, you know, it's hard for people to go through stuff, but, but God uses that, you know, you look at the life of David, the man after God's own heart, it's, it's in brokenness then that, that God brings healing. Psalm 32, Psalm 51, it's acknowledging mm-hmm. your brokenness. It's Paul saying in first Corinthians or second uh, Corinthians 12, you know, in my weakness, yeah. He is made perfect. He is made strong. He is. He makes me complete in my weakness. Um, so brokenness and admitting that we're broken is uh, the first step for this healing of God to say, "Okay, let me do my radical work in your life." Yeah, admitting we are broken isn't that so hard for guys? Guys are so stinking stubborn. <laughs> Go, dude! Everybody sees you, that you're a jackweed in this area. <laughs> So why don't we see it? If you confess it, nobody's going to go. Oh, surprise! You're a jackweed. Mm-hmm. We all mm-hmm. see it. So we mm-hmm. see this. We see the critical spirit. We see the striving spirit. We see this. This. Uh, we see the 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 consequences of your pornographic behavior. We see the consequences of your chewing tobacco addiction, or your. We smell your smoking, or we see the consequences of your gluttony because you're fat. You know, we see all these things. So just confess them, and you you, you know, and I think a, a lot of the bondage, Tim. Uh, that we discover in people. You said this as the greatest thing you've seen in counseling, and I agree wholeheartedly. You say that forgiveness or lack thereof is the biggest issue that you have faced in pastoral uh, counseling. I agree wholeheartedly. Will you explain why that's such a big issue? And then more than that, how do I know? Because we have a lot of church people that say, oh, no, I've forgiven that person. But then when they see them in the grocery store, they dive into the fast food section to hide from them. You know, or when their name comes up, they start going bad mouthing them. So how do you know when a person truly has got to a point of what you call total forgiveness? In other words, they're totally free, they're totally unleashed. Because if I'm in if I'm in bondage to unforgiveness, I am not free. And I am not unleashed. In fact, just the opposite. I'm in bondage to the very person to the last person on the planet I want to have own me, but that person owns me. So can you walk us through this concept of total forgiveness and how do we know when we've got there? 
Yeah, you know, when when we don't forgive, you're you're exactly right. That person is controlling us, and it, it, it's a control issue. And we think that by not forgiving, we're we're control. We're in control, but that's that's ludicrous because <laughs> we're being controlled yeah. by our bitterness. Yes. But when when you through the help of the Holy Spirit and you uh, ask God to hey forgive as you forgive me my sins, help me forgive those who sinned against me. And when the Holy Spirit works in our hearts to do that, um, it's an obedient thing. You got it. it I, I, when I had to pray to forgive, and I thought I'd forgiven my dad many times, but when this lady uncovered it and there was still bitterness, um, you know, I, I didn't feel that the moment I said that, that I had this peace. But eventually, after keep forgiving and um, the, the peace, the peace came, the presence of God came. And I, I begin to love the socks off my, love my dad. Like I've never loved my dad before. Mm. Um, and that's when, you know, you've been able to forgive even your enemies, um, being in the ministry, you, you probably, you've had some enemies, right? You've you have a few moments, parents, huh? <laughs> right. The and church God is filled with broken op- people. Exactly. God gives us opportunity all the time in the body of Christ Um, either, you know, we can be bitter and the enemy will work and destroy things, or we can forgive and begin to love those people as Christ loves us. And powerful things happen when we forgive. Um, And and like I said, totally, you you have this peace, you have this love, you want to pray the same prayers you pray for yourself for that person. And then you know it. If I can pray blessing over that person and blessing over their family and blessing over that enemy of mine who criticizes me and and I would God just bless the socks off them with your love. The same blessing that I want you to give me, give to them. When you can do that, you know that you've come to a place of total forgiveness. That is so good. I, I just most of my counseling is basically go to Luke chapter six and do what it says. You know, pray for those who curse you, bless those who mistreat you, you know, love your enemies. And so this is the really where the rubber meets the road. And as you're speaking about this, and as you're speaking about freedom, because I have uh, been in bondage to people before, and it is not pretty. And it is not something that you decide and you pray a prayer and it goes away. It is, it is not a crisis that does not have a process. There is a process involved. And let me ask this question, Tim, because you brought something up I thought was really interesting. So what I hear you saying in your book and what I hear you saying uh, today at our podcast is that most of the time, I'm not going to say all of the time, I'll let you say that if you want, most of the time it appears that my woundedness, uh, I'm going to call it my brokenness, this, this wound I have or this, this broken component in my life is usually attached to a person. Mm. What percentage of the time would you say that's true as opposed to attached to a problem or attached to a circumstance? How often would you say it's attached to a person? I'm going to go out on a limb and say 100% (laughs) of the time. Oh, really? (laughs) Wow. Okay. I was not. Wow. Okay. Because here's the, you know, we're all children of Adam, right? Um, And all this stuff in our life, it's, it's generational stuff, right? Yeah. It's generational. It's, it's something that maybe happened back a generation ago that I didn't even know about. Um, But, you know, the curse, you know, in Deuteronomy 28 talks about curses and blessings. Well, those curses go on for generations and forgiveness breaks those curses. 
um, and breaks those past stuff that we don't, we may not even be aware of in the spiritual realm. Um, so I think a lot of the junk, uh, most of the junk, and I'm, I'm exaggerating maybe hundred percent of it, uh, deals with relationships. Um, yeah. Even yeah. if we're not even aware of it. Well, and it's interesting, Tim, I just, I just had this thought, uh, my, uh, deer and elk mounts that I have in my office, my trophies I have from football and sports, you know, my big house, uh, my car, none of these things will cross over into eternity. The only thing that crosses over in eternity is what? Relationship. My relationship. So it makes yep. sense to me. I had this epiphany just now. It makes <laughs> sense to me if my relationship's the only thing that crosses over in eternity that the enemy would use my relationships to burden me and to keep me in bondage from true freedom and being unleashed as my best version on this world. Does that make sense? I I, I totally agree. Gosh, that just, totally man, agree. I that really hit me just now. That's really good, man. Well, hey, on page 96, one last question. Mm-hmm. Uh, on page 96 of your book, you mentioned something I thought was worth the price of admission. Uh, it's something I'm going to do this week. Uh, it's something that we are going to give to our men in the arena. We are calling this our boots on the ground moment, where we take every podcast episode and we ask our men to do something, right? Because we're men in the arena. Men in the arena are swinging the sword. They're getting it done. They're doing stuff. They're not bleachers. Then the bleachers are watching anonymously. They're in the arena, in the game, doing stuff. You talked about a story where you had a dinner and you've mentioned your dad in your book and the woundedness from your father uh, from his earlier days uh, in life during his alcoholism. But you had a blessing dinner with him. Can you explain this blessing? And then on page 102, you gave an assignment that that we're going to give our men in the arena, our arena men, and you called this uh, writing a blessing letter to our fathers. Can you elaborate, please? Yeah, you know, um, God says honor. Right. He, he wants us to honor parents and family and, um, you know, being able to bless and, and pray blessings over people. Um, and one of the things we did is we prayed blessings over as a family. We prayed blessings over my dad, um, which was powerful. And my dad uh, has prayed blessings over us. Um, and, uh, God just intervened in that moment. It was a powerful, powerful family time of breaking chains and breaking generational stuff um, and just releasing love. Um, And God wants us to uh, speak blessing into people's lives. Um, You know, the enemy wants us to curse. Um, The father wants us to bless. And and that's when radical things happen. So... Tell me about this blessing letter. What what do you want to see in this? Um, you know, I just think that um, to let your heart let let them know your heart, your your love for them, uh, and that may be hard. Um, so you need to ask the Lord to help you. But uh, just just bless them and just pray a blessing over them and, and ask God to give you words. Um, Lord, let me be your instrument. Let me be your vehicle. Let your spirit speak through me what uh, you want to say through me to your child. I'm going to be a vehicle. I'm going to be a tool um, of yours to bring a blessing 
uh, as you've blessed me, fathers, you've given me the blessing of your face shining upon upon me. I want to do that blessing to somebody else, my father. Um, and and yeah. And I just, would add, I would, I love that. I would add this because I, I I notice like when I get discussions or arguments with other people or or people come to forgive me, they'll say something like, "Man, I really, you know, I want to forgive you for for all of this and then blah blah blah." But but you did this to me. You know what I mean? And so I would really caution against writing a letter to your father saying, you know, you, even though you wounded me, Dad, I've worked through this and forgiven you. Don't make it about that. Let no, let that no. go. Make it about blessing him and honoring him. Uh, ignore the woundedness. Work, you know, just go to the blessing component, and I think you're going to see your world uh, rocked, and I think you're going to see your dad's world open up to you. And so I think you'll be really blessed. So, hey, Tim, thanks so much uh, for taking the time to share your wisdom and experience with our men in the arena and for being a, an arena man yourself. How can our guys pick up your resources? Uh, on Amazon. Just go to Amazon or uh, our website, oceansministries.org. So well, either and, you can... And your name was... I, I Paul, sorry about that. Your <laughs> name is easy. That We were teasing you about calling you Spike Strip. <laughs> But it's Spikestra, Tim Spikestra, S-P-Y-K-S-T-R-A. So the, I'm sure that name is pretty easy to find on Amazon. Yeah. So yeah. probably type in your name. And so, <laughs> hey, guys, so so here's your boots on the ground moment, guys. So now what? Now what do I do? How do I, what do you want me to do in the arena after this podcast? So here's our boots on the ground, guys. You already know what it is. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, to sit down. I'm going to do this too and write a blessing letter to your father if he's alive. If he's not alive, I want you to find write a blessing letter to a mentor or somebody that uh, a man in your life that really has impacted you. Tell them why they're a blessing to you. And what I'm going to do is we're going to go uh, when this when this podcast goes live at the uh, early in the new year, we will post on the Men in the Arena Facebook forum uh, this assignment blessing letter, and it will tell you what it is. And then we'll actually, uh, once you write the letter and get feedback from your dads, if they choose to give you feedback, we'll just have a chance to just kind of share how that went. And let's see hundreds and hundreds of guys from around the world and how their dads respond to them blessing them. So guys, you've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. We want to give you some of our amazing free resources to help you in your journey towards your best version. So if you haven't done so yet, make sure you download the free Men in the Arena app with tons of resources that will come alongside of you in your journey to manliness. Subscribe to this podcast if you haven't done so already. Share it with your buddies. Write a positive review, please. And join the Men in the Arena Closed Facebook Forum for Men. These are free resources to move you in your journey. Guys, join us in building an army of men in the arena who are becoming their best version and changing their world because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Hey, until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man. This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world on our closed Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of manhood. In our passion to help all arena men, we're offering an excellent free resource when you visit our homepage at meninarena.org. Simply give us your email and we'll send you a free PDF version of Jim's book for men called The Field Guide, a bathroom book for men. It's a daily study of manly words in the Bible explained with great stories. Thank you for listening to this episode the Men in the Arena podcast. This is Dale Culver signing off. Until next time, thank you for joining men in the arena from around the world who are becoming their best version. And remember, 
When a man gets it, everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.